Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, uh, we have two weeks to go. If, you're, if you can, if you're willing, grab your notes, grab your smartphone. We're going to dive in and uh, we've got some important things we want to talk about. We're continuing our conversation uh, about how to have the best year yet and how we're doing, having that conversation is we're talking about what the Apostle Peter encourages us as followers of Jesus to add to our faith. And so this is an important thing that we've been talking about over the, the last uh, several weeks. And I want to pause almost right at the beginning and just suggest and say, uh, maybe do a little, uh, uh, ask a question. Has this been helpful? Uh, this is, you know, you don't, don't feel obligated to tell me it's helpful, but if it has been helpful, I'd like to know. If, if not, don't raise your hand. Tell me after. I don't want to know that publicly, but maybe privately, but, um, our goal, you know, whenever we put together content, we think very seriously about this, just uh, so you know. We have a team of folks who come together. We come together every Tuesday. In fact, we'd encourage you to pray for us. We come together on Tuesday, and we are working on the messages from three weeks out, two weeks out, the coming week, and then we're looking at building series uh, of content down the road. And so that's what we're doing in that time. And our goal, whenever we're preaching in this space, um, I want you to know, my goal is not that you agree with me. Can I say that? My goal, I think, I think if we all come in and we all, you know, and I just say some things and they're pleasant things and they're, you know, things that are important and we all kind of get our minds around them and we go, I, I agree with that. I think largely if we do that, here's the challenge about that. Most of us will leave here unchanged. And the goal, so the goal isn't necessarily to just have you agree with me. The goal is actually of what I'm doing is to inspire you to act and to think differently. That's actually the goal if I do this right. If we all just go out and we go, that was, that was pleasant. Are we going to Panera now? That, that's really not the goal of this endeavor. And so um, really, I just want to say that because we are, we are looking at some important things. And I want you to know that um, from a real serious perspective that um, a lot of times you'll say things like, you know, when you're preaching, it feels like you're, you've been living in my closet. You've heard me say that before. I tell people I have most definitely not been in your closet. But I will, will tell you this. A lot of times I preach to myself. So we're all in this together, right? Amen. Amen. Go team. Go team. And so this is kind of what we're doing right now. We're in a series and we're talking in this series about how to have the best year yet. And uh, uh, I think Peter is inspiring us to wear our faith in a beautiful way. I'm, I'm thinking of where we've been in this series so far. Think with me about this. Imagine, if you will, imagine, if you will, that the longer you practice your faith uh, with all these interesting facts about God, but imagine with me, if you will, a faith that when it applies knowledge, it's a knowledge that impacts both your head and your heart. And when Peter was talking about that we would add to our faith knowledge, this is the kind of thing he was talking about. Imagine with me, if you will, a faith that tamed, listen to this, that was not uh, uh, unpowerful, but a faith that tamed your errant desires, your wrong compulsions, 
the proclivities that all of us have. And rather than being ruled by your temptations, it was your faith that tames those temptations so that you live a life that is free from the tyranny of the unhealthy things that can control you. Right? And when, Paul, when Peter was talking about that we would add to our faith self-control, that wasn't a wishful thinking. Uh, Peter had come to the place where he had come to believe that his faith could help him in that area. And praise God, many of us are learning to, to, to be free in those areas. Imagine, if you will, a faith that plays its way to the very end game and that at the end of your life, you're not bitter, you're better. You're not afraid, you're not hopeless, not at all, but you're more completely committed to the mission and the vision of Jesus Christ and your desire to let him complete in you what he started at your moment of salvation. Amen to that? Imagine, if you will, a faith where your whole life has become this beautiful gift to God, your speech, your conduct, your thought life, your way of loving other people and serving other people. When Peter talked about godliness, this is the kind of thing he talked about. And his whole idea is that we would wear our faith in a way that makes Jesus attractive to a culture that is largely moved on from him. That's the deal. I was thinking about how we wear our faith. Uh, we did a very, very fun thing in our small group this past Friday night. We uh, came together and we, we did a murder mystery night. And I want to show you a picture. This is, my, this is my small group. Isn't that awesome? I want you to look at, here's Beth and I. I think I have a picture of us. Look at, isn't that awesome? That's Donna Diva. You can meet her after. And, uh, we, were, we were not killed and we were not the killers, but we had a lot of fun uh, doing that thing. And so um, this is the idea that Peter's talking about. So here's where we've been. We've been in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 3 and 4. These are our memory verses. I want us to read this out loud. We're going to do it two more weeks in a row. We're going to read this out loud. We're going to put it on the screen. Let's read it. Ready? Go. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And through these... He has given us his very great and precious promises. And going on, he says this, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then he says this, we're adding this one more time. Maybe you want to read this with me. Ready, go. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and now to godliness, mutual affection. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about the subject of mutual affection. And, and I think the question could easily be asked, what in the world is mutual affection, and why should I even care? And this is what we're going to talk about in our time together. And to help us, I was thinking about this, I thought of a few words from Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia, where he paints this picture. And if you will, he just gives us a picture of what the church looks like. And so I want to read this picture to you. It's uh, his words in Galatians chapter 3, and we're picking up in verse 26, just a, just a snapshot. So he says this, So in Christ Jesus, so in Christ Jesus, 
you are all children of God through faith. And for all of you who were baptized into Christ have now, look at, clothed yourselves with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. But Lord, I believe that these are words that are um, in many ways important for every generation. But God, in, in so many ways, they seem, they seem uniquely important right now. And so God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you, would you captivate every human heart, both in this space and for those who are listening online, that we might stretch into a bigger and better version of what you are calling us to be as the body of Christ. This we pray together in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. So uh, Peter says that one of the things we should add to our faith is mutual affection. And the idea that Peter is trying to communicate, this is, this is what I love about uh, uh, this talk this morning, is because Peter is trying to communicate in such a way that he would, he would say to us, this is a conversation for every single person who names the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so in, in many ways, here's what Peter's saying. This is an insider talk. And so, so for those of us who are here this morning or you're listening online and you, you have identified you know, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your forgiver, your friend, you, know, it, you are part of his mission uh, on earth, this is a talk for all of us. It's kind of like a, like a pep talk that he's wanting us to have. I remember reading a story about a coach who, you know, at halftime, you know, was challenging his team at halftime. And he said, we're going to go out on that field and we're going to just do what we've never done before. I want you to follow me. And then he opened a door and walked the team into a closet. That was, I thought that'd be funny, you know? And so, you know, Peter, uh, Peter and Paul are talking about this. They're, they're giving us this idea. And he uses a word in here that's only used, if you're taking notes, it's only used four times in the entire Bible and it's it, it, as a noun. And it's the word Philadelphia, okay? And it's where we get the word. When you think of Philadelphia, is the city of what? Right. You ever been to Philadelphia? I think they only mean that sarcastically. I'm not sure they're really into that. Okay, and so um, so Peter is is encouraging is this he's talking about uh, this idea of mutual affection, and then and then we get over to uh, the 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 epistle of uh, Paul to the churches in Galatia, and and Paul gives us a picture of of what this looks like. Now, for those of you who need to know this, I think this is important. Paul is planting churches. Um, you know, he's starting these new churches, but he's still, in many ways, some would say, young enough in his faith that his love for Jesus Christ is exciting. And there's all this stuff going on. He's planning new churches, and he's talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. And he's challenging those uh, young believers about turning their religion into a rules-only kind of faith. He's challenging them against legalism. And this is kind of an important conversation for us to have because um, he is reminding the church, really, that there is a heresy 
if we, if we tend to fall off on either side of the deal, if it becomes all about rules, here's what we know, because some of us have been tainted by this. If it's all about rules, our hearts tend to shrink inside of that kind of uh, religion. And, and we tend to lose the heart and the passion. If it's all about passion and there's no, there's no, you know, outward demonstration of where the love of Jesus Christ is impacting us, you know, that's not a good thing. And so here's what, here's what Paul is encouraging us. He's saying, learn to build a faith that lives in the tension of these two kinds of ideas. Uh, I know in another, uh, letter, Paul said it this way, and I've, whenever I think about this, is the kind of thing that I think about. It. He said, it is always the love of Christ that compels us. So in other words, this, um, I remember when I was in youth mini- or, or in, in, in a youth ministry, when I was a, a first became a follower of Jesus, I remember a, a story uh, that my youth uh, pastor shared about, um, uh, about being committed to Christ. And he reminded us that, you know, in our current culture, we're not necessarily under a lot of, um, you know, a lot of assault uh, in the West, necessarily speaking, because of our faith, right? I mean, we're, there are other places in the world where, you know, you take your life into your hands to follow Jesus, right? And so I remember my youth pastor has made a really strong impression on me, and he, he said that, you know, that's true in other parts of the world. And he began to tell this story one time when, when this church was gathered, this sort of secret church was gathered and all these people were, were there and, and they, they were, you know, singing together. Somebody was going to open the scriptures to them and the back doors burst open and these soldiers come marching in and they line everybody up on the wall and they start challenging them about their true devotion to Jesus Christ. And they tell them that if you, if, if, if you don't deny Christ, we're going to take your life. And one by one, people just began to deny Christ and leave. And there was this, finally, there's this smaller group that's there, and they're willing to face their accusers. And right in this powerful moment, when they think as though, you know, they're going to, they're going to suffer the ultimate crime for their, for their love for Christ, right in that moment, when they say that, they give them one more time, they say, do you follow Jesus? This is your moment. This is your last moment to deny him. And this little group that had been whittled down said, no, we're, we're going to, we're, we're ready. We're going to follow Jesus. And then the soldiers took off their hats and said, now we can worship together because the true believers are in the room. Never forgotten that. And the idea that, that, that Peter and, and Paul are really wanting us to understand is that uh, my youth pastor went on to say, whenever it comes to following Christ, there ought to be enough evidence to convict you of the crime. And I think a lot of times in our culture today, we just don't see a lot of evidence of that. And so this is a moment for us, really, as as a church. This is an insider conversation about this love that characterizes or should characterize any local gathering of Christians. This deep sense of unselfish affection for, follow, uh, for fellow followers of Christ. Now here's what I want you to think about as we work our way through this. What Paul is trying to communicate is that um, this is the very power that has overcome all of the dark forces in the world. 
This is the power that overcomes the dark forces in the world. And this is the power, Paul says, that started and unleashed the church on the world. And for those of you that want a, you know, just a quick understanding of that, you know, it's sort of interesting. Um, it was in Matthew 16 where Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. It was John 14 where he told the disciples, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send somebody else who's going to be an advocate. It was in Acts 1 where he said to wait for that person that I promised you to come to come. And then you get to Acts chapter 2, which is the birth of the church, and the Holy Spirit gives birth of the church. And some writers say it like this, it's as though God sneezed his infection on the world and it went out. Powerful imagery. A few weeks ago, uh, we, we took off. Our, our oldest daughter turned 29. We're still 35, but she's 29. And uh, in fact, I have a picture. I think we have a picture of, of her. There she is. Mama wanted to say, we're going to Kentucky. I'm making her a cake. And so, and, and I think I got a picture of my son-in-law. Here's my son-in-law. Can't, can't you tell he loves me? And... Um, and we were there, and we had this wonderful week all week. I mean, it was cold. It was like, at one point, it was like 13 degrees, and the high was like 19 degrees. And, and uh, I did great all week. And then Friday, we had, we had celebrated, and Friday, we were in Haley Brandon's apartment, and, and we decided to um, just, let's go get, they were, said, it's cold out, let's just go order takeout, and we'll go get it, and we'll just eat. And, and in this little, like, half-hour time, when they went off to, to get the food, Haley later said, when they came back, I was a completely different human being. And I caught a cold in like a half hour. And I remember when they said they were going to go, Let's, we're going to go get food. I remember saying, you know, I was thinking in my head, I don't, I don't really feel like eating. I didn't say anything. And they came back a half hour later and, and Haley said, it was like your head was on fire. And I got so sick, and I kept going. I, the whole evening, I was like, yeah, is there, can I just have a blanket? And then about a half hour, like, is there, like, do you have another blanket? And then about 20 minutes after that, I said, another blanket? And finally, I was like, do you have an electric blanket in the house? <laughs> and I got so sick. And then the next day, we were to leave. And so, you know, I mean, Beth came in to check on me. She didn't even, she didn't even stay in the same room with me. Gosh. And... <laughs> And, and she came in like at seven o'clock the next day and she said, honey, do you want to leave? And I was like, no. And she said, she said the, the most painful thing. She said, you are horrible when you're sick. You're such a baby when you're sick. <laughs> now, I want to say, guys, is that, is that universally true of us? Or? Yes. I, I said, guys, not ladies. No. I didn't ask for y'all to respond. Man. I mean, she had to drive home. Took us three days longer to get home. There was all this stuff going on, I, and and it was it was it was bad. And of course, here's the thing, right? Right now, what do you think when you get sick? What are you thinking? You're thinking, I got the coronavirus. <laughs> I mean, that that is what you were thinking. And I I was I was reading about this thing. Listen to this, you guys. Listen to this. The coronavirus. Let's talk about this for a moment. This group, this, this, this conference convenes in Singapore. A guy comes in, he's infected with it. 109 people are at the conference. 70 plus people catch it. And uh, this guy has this infection. And, and from that conference, it goes to Korea, to Malaysia, to France, to Spain, 
to UK to US. Just that fast. And the imagery that I want you to get in your mind and heart this morning is that when Paul is is talking about mutual affection, this, this undefinable quality that should, listen to me now, that should exist whenever the body of Christ comes together. It is this infection, it is, it is this virus, if you will, that carries with it the power to overturn all of the dark forces in our world. And the question would come up in a moment like this, do you have the infection? Do you have it? And if you have it, how do you know you have it? I mean, when you think about how the early church started, right? You know, this ragtag group of people that uh, became convinced in following an uneducated Jewish rabbi that, who was crucified for his beliefs that he raised from the dead physically. And they came together, and with that belief, some of them, even within that Titus circle, claimed to have seen him after the resurrection. So word is getting out. And it's this little ragtag group of people that Saul of Tarsus, who eventually became Paul the Apostle, was determined to stamp out before it, the infection got out. And it, and it, and it happened under, under the cloak and the power and the tight-fisted rule of Rome. We would have never gone back into that circle and said, the power that is in this little circle will one day be greater than the power right now of the Pax Romana of, Rome, of the Roman Empire. They would have laughed at us. And now, right, right now in our world, 2.3 billion people identify with some form of Christianity. 38% of the world's population, the largest religion on the globe. And it started what? Because this small little group of people began to mysteriously manifest this infection of taking their eyes off of their own need and looking to the need of those around them. And people were just attracted to it. And as more would come in, they would catch the infection and they would take it out to others. And more would come in and they would catch the infection and take it out to others, and it began to just grow and morph and to develop and to move out. And then as a result of that, it just began to take over. This is the very kind of idea that Paul is talking about. The kind of love that characterizes any local gathering of the body of Christ this deep sense of unselfish affection for followers of Christ. And it's this compelling value that theologians and sociologists point to beyond the resurrection, this unexplainable practice that Jesus' followers embraced 
that as they grew in their faith, the focus was off of themselves and they picked up this desire to unselfishly care for others beyond any and every conceivable line or barrier. And, and, and it would lead to these statements like Paul would say, you know, we're one in Christ. We're one in Christ. There's no longer Jew or Gentile. Now, if, you, if you, we were to hit rewind and go back into that, I mean, can, can, you, can you just, can you imagine? Can you just imagine? These, these are groups that never would have anything to do with one another. There's, there's neither, uh, you know, um, Jew or Gentile. There's, there's neither slave nor free. What? I mean, can you think of any dis, more distant groups? There's neither male or female. We're just all one in Christ. I remember the first time I saw this. Actually, I think, I think it's, a, it's a byproduct of why we're all here this morning, interestingly. Uh, I mentioned before I was at school working on a degree, and it was during this degree I felt God called me very specifically to plant a church. And we had gone to visit a church in Cincinnati. It was a vineyard church in Cincinnati. And I walked in there and I saw something I'd never quite seen before. I saw all this amalgamation of people from all these incredible uh, different group, groupings of people. And it was so attractive to me. And, and I want to tell you this, uh, I don't cry easily, but I got all choked up because it just it looked like an expression of the body of Christ. You had, you had people, I, I remember watching, uh, there was this guy that was all tatted up. He was a biker dude. He had this leather all this stuff on. He's sitting next to this couple that looked like they were very wealthy, sitting next to this uh, couple who were, uh, their skin color was a different color from them, sitting next to a person that you could tell was working out all kinds of, you know, problematic issues in her life. And, and, and here they all were together. And then as the worship was going on, you know, it was just electric. And, and I remember I just felt the witness of God's Spirit say to me, this is a picture of my kingdom. This is what my kingdom looks like. And I remember I just felt like the Lord was saying, and if you, if you really want to be a, a, a pastor of an expression of that, this is what it should look like. And I remember being so moved by that. And, and so this is, here's what I want to remind everybody. This is a really, really important conversation. I want to tell you why this is an important conversation. Because you know what sociologists are telling us right now? We are living in a time where perhaps like none other, we are experiencing what they're referring to as the tribalization of our world. That we no longer, we, we no longer uh, in the West particularly want to have experiences with people that are different from us. We are only looking for a homogenous set of people that identify with us in all of our religion, all of our philosophy, all of our politics. Come on now. I, I, I was thinking, I told Beth, I said, I'm going to preach about politics in the fall. <laughs> and Beth said, you go back in your room and you pray some more about that. <laughs> I, I was I was watching that this week. I'm I'm, I'm gonna, you know, we. 
I want somebody to take our president's phone away from him. I, I just do. I'm probably going to get some hate mail about, like, send that to communityofhope.trevor.com. I just wish somebody would take his phone away from him. And then I watched a Democratic debate this weekend. And I watched them eat each other alive. This is the tribalization of our culture. Uh, there used to be a day when we could sit next to people who, you know, we didn't share all their political views and all their views in life, and, and we could be decent human beings. And it feels like that, that day is it's like gone. It feels like it's gone. But here's why, here's why I have hope. It's when you and I decide that our final allegiance is not to blue or not to red or not to whatever other color we might subscribe to, but our allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom first. There's the infection. There's the infection. And so, you know, if you're reading the undertones, here's what I want to tell you. I, I think... I think, and I believe this with all my heart, I think the sickness of our culture identifies a sick church. Because if the church were really healthy, this would be something we would be embracing. And so, you know, just before we close, I, I, I just want to say, I want to say, I, I looked in this passage of Scripture, and as I study it, I noticed, I noticed three movements, really, that I think Paul is pushing toward uh, for us as the body of Christ. And remember, this is, this is an insider talk. This is not for anybody else. If you don't follow Jesus, you can write out your grocery list, okay? But if, if you follow Jesus, here's what I, here's what I really think uh, we, should, we should step up on. Number one, I think it's this. I, I think Paul would say we should think differently when we're here. When we, when we come in here, here's what I tell you, we should all think differently. And by that I mean, these are some of the things I mean. I think we should let God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, push some of our formed ideas around into some different spaces. We should come with an open mind and an open heart. We should reorient the authoritative structures in our mind and heart. Um, we should uh, be willing to get better mottos when we get in here. I, I, I've noticed, have you noticed, we all live by mottos and we put them all over our vehicles now. We just, like, this is our motto and we put it on our Twitter account. We just have, these are the things. I saw one the other day that said, you know what, shame, uh, let's see, it said, uh, uh, it said, burn me once, shame on you, burn me twice, shame on me. <laughs> Number one, what does that mean anyway? Number two, number two, that's going to be a long, miserable life if you live into that motto. And what God is really looking for is, is a people that would come in and say, Lord, I, I might have picked up some infections in our culture that aren't best representational of your, your coming kingdom. And so when I step into a sacred space like this, Lord, would you just push those things around? And if I'm giving allegiance to a wrong kingdom, would you show me so I can repent of it and I can be a part of what you're really wanting to do on this, your world? 
And I, I, I think that really what the church, what, what this experience ought to do, it, it ought to invite us, first of all, to begin to think some things differently. We haven't got it all figured out. I, I, I thought I was so smart when I was 18 years old. And, and I, 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 challenged, I thought my parents needed to grow a little. And I tell you what, when I, when I got to 25, and in fact, when I started to have a kid, uh, my, my parents got so smart so fast. They just did. I don't have it all figured out. And here's what I want to tell you lovingly. You don't have it all figured out either. And so we ought to come in here and we ought to say, Lord, um, first, I want, to, I want to think some different things in here. I want to think some different thoughts. And then, then, then this, can I just push a little? I think then we, we should act differently here. Try it out. Put it on. Try it out. Hey, talk to some people that you might not think you connect with. You might be pleasantly surprised. I remember in the early days of our church when we were trying to get small groups developed. And I, I remember sometimes we would have these small groups and they, these groups would become so formed they would become cliques. And I remember, I remember one time, uh, and this back in the high school days, there was a small group and they were all in a circle looking in at one another talking about how great their small group was and all these other people who are new to our church are kind of bouncing in and around and i walked into the middle of the group got in the middle of the group and i just took my friends on their show and i just turned them around i just went around the circle turned them all around and went they're out there everybody you know we we do a thing at our church uh when you take partnership i'll give you a little secret we do this thing we call it the three minute rule you know what and we ask you you hear it uh, we're taking partners in 26 across the day, just nobody at nine o'clock. Y'all need to step your game up. And, <laughs> and, and, and I want to say, um, we talk about the three-minute rule, and you know what the three-minute rule is? When church is over, will you commit to talk for the first three minutes, talk to people you don't know? I met with a guy recently in our church, and we had coffee together, and he said, you know why I'm in our church? And I wanted to say, I mean, everything in me wanted to say it was the, I know it's the preaching. <laughs> and he said, um, because you were in the lobby one day, and as I was walking out the lobby to get in my car and leave, you stopped me and you introduced yourself to me. And I got in the car and I said, I'm coming back. He's one of the best servants in our church. What if, what, if, what if we all said this? Let's up our game, and when you came on Sunday, let's, let's think differently. Let's, let's act differently. And, if, and, if, and here's what I think. If you think differently here, and, and you act differently here, God's going to empower you to think and act differently out there. Right? But, but, but really, I think, here's what I want to just say to you all. Here's the vision. The vision that Paul was launching is that we have to do it here. I just wonder what this conversation and this talk would, would do. I mean, I wonder if, if all of us went in our small groups this week and we said, how can we do, how can we do better as a small group? Uh, how, how do we love one another better? How do we love, each, uh, you know, love our community better? How do we serve better? How do we, I just wonder what would happen with that. Uh, and I, I think it would, it would do, you know, a lot of times, I want to be honest, people will come in and, and they'll say, there's something about this church, it's just different. 
it's, there's something that's different. But I want to tell you, if we don't keep focusing on what is different about us, here's what I would tell you. We'll quit being different. We'll just quit being different. And the world will be a meaner place. Just wait, wait till the fall when I announce my campaign. I'm not announcing my campaign till the fall, but okay. So this probably hadn't felt much like a sermon. It's felt more like a, a rant. Okay. Who's in? Man, I'm in. I'm in. You know, Lord, I don't know what it is that holds us back, uh, but I, I believe with all my heart that many of us are here because we're craving, we're craving really what your word tells us this experience is to be. And we know that, Lord, if we do this right, God, this is, man, this is an infection. Wow. This just goes like wildfire everywhere. And what it leaves in its wake is peace and healing and hope and the fragrant aroma of Jesus Christ. May we be a part of that both in this place and in our community and our world. This we pray in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Go in his grace and we'll see you next weekend.